didn't revive stop-motion skeleton battles, Full Moon features would go out of business. I am your wizardly host this evening, Gabe, with my magical co-host, Casey. Casey, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you do you feel like we're being watched as though as though someone's like listening in in on our conversations? Oh, all the time. I mean, one, we run a podcast. Two, the FBI is always keeping track on us because Lord knows what we've done. And three, I'm just a paranoid motherfucker. Irrelevant to the FBI and the podcast and the paranoia, I feel like we're being monitored by someone in particular. Uh, is is, is this Charles where I come in? Why are tapping us? Ah, okay, yeah, fuck the bit. All right, I would like to welcome. A special guest for the evening, a good friend of mine and our resident comic book guy, Quentin. Quentin, how are you doing this evening? I am relaxed. I'm ready to talk about this incredible cinematic endeavor. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us. I wouldn't call myself a comic book expert, but... Well, well, thank you. Thank you for being here. You know... So I suppose, just to start things off, as you are our guest... For the evening, you will get to answer the question of the episode, which is, Quentin, was this a good movie? Well, we should first start off with the movie we are discussing tonight is Dr. Mordred from 1992, starring Jeffrey Combs and Brian Thompson, who most people would mainly know as the bad guy from Cobra. I think he was a punk in Terminator 2. He was also an alien bounty hunter in The X-Files. Well, and then there's, you know everyone else yeah we watched dr mordred one that is a such a blatant ripoff of dr strange that they straight up quote dr strange in the copy at the bottom of the movie when you go to watch this on full moon features a bit of backstory to the film apparently it was initially meant to actually be an adaptation of dr strange for the big screen but some copyright stuff fell out so they just retooled it into this yeah, so I, I I did a little digging on this. Yeah, Charles Band and his father, Albert, actually had an option to create an adaptation of Doctor Strange. This would have been one of the very first ones. However, before production began, the rights that they had held ended up expiring. So what they did, instead of scrapping the project, they just rewrote the script to include some original characters and whatnot. And since this was originally supposed to be a kid's film, of course, they had to throw in some blood and boobies. Casey, you answered a very important question I had about a later scene in this film. I'm good like that. That brings us back to the question, which is, Quentin, was this a good movie? I hesitate to say good. It tried. It certainly tried in places. Some of the, I don't know, effects were ambitious for a movie that seems to have been made um, through favors and debts. So I admire that much. Yeah. I mean, have you... The thing you, ha- about Full Moon... Yeah, I was gonna say, have you watched a Full Moon movie before? That's basically the entire thing about this production company. These movies were made on favors and debts. I've watched a bunch of Full Moon movies, but these... These... I, I, I'm more well-versed in bad Christian movies. Um, and these feel a lot like bad Christian movies. (laughs) 
<laughs> it would it would go to show that bad movies just have some of the same DNA. Just it's all just across baseless the board. and hollow, and they aren't meant for anything but making a quick buck or like pushing something. Yeah, I was about to say if you spend fifteen dollars making a movie and that movie makes back twenty dollars, technically that's a profit. Sure, and I think that's what uh, Charles and his merry band of scam artists were going for. Now you you can't so you can't so much say it's scam artist because Jeffrey Combs is a full moon regular and Jeffrey okay, Combs is yeah, a treasure. You're right. you're right. I forgot about Sir Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs is a straight up treasure. Here's the thing, Casey. I have now seen four movies featuring Jeffrey Combs, three of which we have reviewed on this podcast, and the last one being Reanimator. Twenty five percent of the Jeffrey Combs films I've seen had Jeffrey Combs being good. So I it's so far a losing battle. See, I've watched more Jeffrey Combs films than you have, so just the statistics on that, I would say he's definitely way better than than you give him credit for. But in regards to this being a good movie, I mean, there is also the fact that this is going to be an episode of Mystery Science Theater later this year. Is it really? Yep. Uh, That's fantastic. It deserves it. Season 13 of Mystery Science Theater comes out actually uh, next month in March. And they're supposed to be releasing an episode every month. So I would assume that this episode for Dr. Mordred should be released sometime in July. So if you want some better commentary from some actual comedic professionals... Go ahead and wait and watch that one, but maybe maybe listen to us first so you can get a basic idea of what you're going into. Well, the basic idea is, so, is it wrong of me to say that nothing happens in this movie? At no. all, bro. I was confused nothing as happens. to, like, where we were going. There was one point where I genuinely looked at the TV and I was like, I looked back at a previous scene and I was like, this is why we're here and nothing has happened. I'll explain when we get there, but he, no, nothing happens in this movie game. So I suppose that should lead us into the actual synopsis of the film. On, on the upside, we are correct in that nothing happens. I will at least say in its favor, it didn't drag. It did not feel like it was way longer than it was. Yeah, it was like, it was like an hour and 15 it was an. It's roughly an hour and twenty, as these full moon features tend to be. At least it didn't drag. Yeah, I'll I'll be fair with that. But let's see if our summary drags or not. <laughs> we open up on sweeping, the full moon staple, which is sweeping shots of still objects, where we just get a bunch of magical items. I suppose you could say, where. It just seemed very odd the way that they introduced this film because it's very lacking in any kind of fanfare. The The actual title of Dr. Mordred is presented in the exact same font as the actual, like, crew credits. Yeah, I will say, though, the, the opening mystical, mystical music wasn't too bad. And plus we get a nice little shot of uh, Edgar in the opening as it pans across an obvious occult, occult library. It gave me Hocus Pocus vibes, that opening music. You know what? You're right. A little it, bit. It, it, 
actually did feel a little hocus pocus now that I think about it, especially with that that occult library and whatnot and the music. It it did feel a little hocus pocus, which actually makes sense because uh, it both movies were released roughly around the same time. I would say. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to rip off Hocus Pocus. But did any of you see in the opening, like, crew credits, the one production designer just named Milo? Yes. I did not. Yes. I immediately thought of Milo Yiannopoulos because he goes by Milo or he went by Milo before he was That's... pushed into his hole. So I got, like, traumatic memories of Milo. Also, I would like to point out that in this same... Uh, credit sequence it lists based on an original idea by charles band which we see that in front of every single full moon feature but it's really brought into question here so you i've, I've heard y'all y'all mention how charles band is a scoundrel before like does that include copyright theft is it really theft of intellectual property if the names are changed and the plot makes absolutely no sense it's a very very thin reshuffling like almost everything in this movie has a direct equivalent to something in the doctor strange universe he tries very very little to hide his theft considering the fact that after our credits roll we get the giant eyes of the monitor speaking to mordred about someone called the death's head seeking him out and not being able to be stopped I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some, some Watcher vibes, if, uh, if and you know what I mean. So, Quentin, this is going to be a question for you. Okay. The, is there a, from my understanding of Doctor Strange, is he's more or less a free agent when it comes to the stuff that he does? Does he have, like, a Zordon-esque, like, higher power that he answers to in the comics? Yes. Does Doctor Strange have a supervisor? Yes. He, um, he answers to a council of like three magical deities that take the form of like one's like a, a woman one's like a like a troll guy or something and one's like a tiger they're called the vishanti that's that's the name for them and so this i assume is their equivalent this monitor man th these this pair of eyes i think is their vishanti but he acts he he works more like the celestials if you guys saw the eternals how, like, there was one of them that was linked to the Celestials, and he, like, talked to only them, and he would, the Celestial would boss the Eternals around and, like, give them orders. It kind of felt more like that than it did the Vashanti, because the Vashanti just kind of show up and either condemn Strange's actions and gift slash take away his magic. I, I feel like there is a lot of gifting and taking away of powers in Marvel Comics, but we get the Monitor, and we get Jeffrey Combs, which is a really is kind of the worst way. I don't understand why this scene was in the film because I feel like it would be better if they just did a smash cut to our next scene, which takes place in Rio. I agree completely. There was abs this was to like throw around terms and to make you think of Doctor Strange. That was it was to invoke the strange. Yeah, it it definitely feels strange as we move over to Rio with an obvious shot of uh, Jesus Christ on the rock, and we find Ed armored truck which it seems to be owned by the bank of rio de janeiro and we find oh no our, our driver was shot by his passenger so we can introduce our villain in slow-mo so the the driver was shot and immediately stepped on the brakes 
it, the way the scene plays out, the way the scene plays out, it almost looks like because neither of the guards are speaking English because they're in Rio. So one of the guards says something to the guard in the back and they like acknowledge each other. And then the guard in the back shoots the guard in the front in the head as if they agreed no, that that in was the, back. the plan in the back. Right. As if that was like their plan, their agreed upon plan. And then, yeah, he steps on the brake immediately and brings it to a nice, safe stop. Okay, this is the point where you shoot me. I'm ready. And, and the boxes that the guard who shot the other guard starts pulling out are so clearly wooden boxes that have been spray-painted to look metal. Oh, yeah. So, some of the props in this movie are so jank. The prop work is immaculate. <laughs> I think it's so yeah. good. It's It's so high school theater. It's so like my dad painted <laughs> this. I don't know. Maybe Charles Band's dad painted that. Who I mean, his dad did help with this movie. His dad is strangely involved in these films, so it's entirely possible. <laughs> Charles Band over here. My dad helped me make this movie. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure he did, Charles Band. And meanwhile, our villain shows up looking like, almost like, a blonde, low-budget Brad Pitt from Interview with the Vampire. Almost, almost like, almost like if Lestat and Louis had a really ugly baby. This man, I've encou- I've encountered him a few times throughout my cinematic ventures. He looks like the product of Willem Dafoe and Lex Luger, the wrestler from WCW in the nineties. <laughs> he has like the that's, unnatural. That's an insult. That's an insult to Willem Dafoe. Will, but Willem Dafoe, you know how he has that incredible bone structure that oh, you just does. wouldn't miss for a million miles. This guy looks like a member of the Dafoe clan, but he has Will, Lex Luger's exact haircut from the 90s. He, it's he dreadful. Looks like He's dreadful to look he, at. He looks like if young Willem Dafoe's cheekbones weren't made of bone, but silly putty. <laughs> Well, Willem Dafoe, if you've seen footage of him from, like, his youth theater days, he is much more handsome than this gentleman. Speaking of his appearance, he, he approaches and he's got these uh, radical 90s shades on. <laughs> and he also has this necklace on that looks vaguely African in origin. And I thought to myself, oh, God, did I bring Quentin on for this for a cultural appropriation movie? <laughs> Is this where we're going with the origin of this magic? See, the weird thing is, I thought the symbol on his amulet was a weird jank off of the uh, communist symbol. I did too. They seem very confused about the origin of their magic because <laughs> later, later they'll straight up uh, 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 imply that they're not magicians but alchemists. Your magic? Don't you mean our magic? They're they're demons. They also call themselves demons at one point. It's. It's also weird how our our villain here, he basically pours Gorilla Glue on the ground around these boxes, and then he, he done zoop-zooped them away. Okay, okay, yeah, so that's what it's... happens. He zoop-zoops them away. I'm gonna go ahead and... <laughs> he zoop- he <laughs> zoop-zoops them away with Gorilla Glue he pours on the ground, and then makes his Puerto Rican- not Puerto Rican, Portuguese accomplish- accomplice- I can't words tonight, uh, makes his little bank friend here shoot himself because he's like, I'm done with you. It's like, okay. Bang. All right, cool. Bang. And we start going straight into New York because, of course, that's where Doctor Strange lives. I actually, I wrote down Doctor Weird in all of my notes. 
I called him Dr. Weird. <laughs> Professor Odd. <laughs> I called him Dr. More Strange. <laughs> uh, but we get we get a glimpse into the Doctor's equivalent of the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's so lame. Did you guys think it was lame? <laughs> he lives. It's so he lame. lives in a New York apartment building with neighbors who just constantly fight about noises keeping people up. The Sanctum Sanctorum is just a house, right? There, it's just belongs to Doctor. The Strange. Sanctum is like a building. It's it's like an it's like okay it's like an interdimensional building that is filled with powers and like shifting corridors and magic and it, it can be wherever Doctor Strange wants it to be, but it certainly isn't an apartment building. It's like a big, it's like a big house. If if a guy had a huge house on like a like a New York apartment block, but it was all his, that's what the sanctum. But this guy's sanctum is yeah an apartment building with like old ladies. No, just just a straight up apartment, just a straight up apartment. It would seem that his room is the only magical portion of that building. Exactly. It would seem so, which is very odd. And we get the scene where an old lady is complaining to her neighbor about the dog that keeps barking, and like this is this is not the B plot. This is not the C plot. This is the E plot of the movie where that's how far removed from the rest of this movie this plot point is. It's to facilitate the meet cute. Yeah, it's just to introduce our uh, leading lady romantic interest who I called Hunting Lady. Her, uh, her name's uh, Samantha, isn't it? Samantha Hunt, but I called her Hunting Lady. Yeah, Hunting Lady. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care enough about her to actually remember her name. And we get all the background lore, which is like, oh, the landlord's, you know, absent. We don't know who, who the fucking landlord is. And she is a, her, her, I suppose you could say she is a forensic psychologist in a way. No, she is a, um, I think she is a research consultant for the NYPD. Whatever she does. But they talk about, like, modus operandi at some point, like, in the speech that dr mordred does later it it's very odd it's difficult to pin it down because the only time they ever actually talk about what she does they're just giving mountains of exposition in the form of like so you found this evidence and you found that evidence you connected these threads you connected that threads but you don't ever see her doing any of that stuff they're just saying that she does that but she's also not a detective or a cop or anything She's just a consultant, but she's doing all this complex police work. Yeah, like, she even, like, says to the neighbors at that, like, she's a research consultant or whatnot, so she's not actually a police and whatnot, but it's like, yeah, everybody can sue everybody, leave me alone. And meanwhile, Dr. Weird is just standing in the doorway, being all smug, like, yes, argue, fight. I'm just going to stand here and watch, be amused. And... As this woman, as Samantha approaches him, she turns her back, and instead of just walking into his apartment like a normal person, he uses time stop. I was phenomenally confused as to why he did this. Yes, he uses time stop. I thought he had neuralized her for a moment. Well, I was, I was, I put down in my notes that it was like, it's a nice little meet cute until he uses time stop and he freeze frames her. 
just apparently, to leave. Uh, he, um, apparently he gets some of his tech from Trancers. <laughs> yeah, he has the exact same tech. Well, here's the thing. His time stop is very weird because it uh, seems to only work on an individual basis with other people. Where he can only like time stop people that are in the general vicinity of him. Yeah, and they have to be they have to be looking at the light as well. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, they've got to be looking at him. It's very odd. Point being, we establish time stop, and we we get a good look into the uh, sanctum sanctorum, <laughs> where he's got these. Instead of, like, being magical and having some percent of mysticism and, like, moving paintings or whatever, he just has a wall of TV screens like it's a Bible man <laughs> where he's just watching all the news channels at all the times so that he can get, like, hints on criminal activity. It's not even, like, and the- cool screens. It's-, it's just, like, big-backed TVs, like, heavy-ass TVs. Oh, yeah. But it's... The funny part is, apparently there was also a little clip from a subspecies on one of those TVs. Oh, was there? We love Easter eggs. I'm glad I missed it. I am too. (laughs) Subspecies was awful. Also, I'm... Why are all the broadcasts in English? Uh, magic. Sure. That makes sense. Sure. Magical translation magic. Also, his... His cable bill must be outrageous. That would be the best bit if he just has a cable bill, despite being the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> oh, I mean, how do you think he? How do you think he gets all those channels? Like he gets the BBC, he gets the Iranian news, he gets all kinds of stuff. Like he's gotta pay for those channels. Well, you see, he uses a VPN, <laughs> and that leads us into our sponsor for the evening, NordVPN. <laughs> we don't have a sponsor. We're not. We don't have a sponsor. I think getting rid of his cable bill would have been the greatest display of magic he could have used in this movie. Because the magic <laughs> in this movie is incredibly underwhelming. It it really is. The worst bit is, though, he he gets the information from one of the news broadcasts that the boxes that had been stolen from the Bank of Rio had platinum in them. And he... He's of course is like charting on the little map with the 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 place and times, just like yes, this is one of the signs and whatnot. And then we just get a really dumb fade to black for the next scene. Fade to black for commercial break. Yes. Oh yeah, that's true. This was made for TV, wasn't it? Where would it have aired? I'm certain it was. Sci-fi. With the Sci-fi. with the boobs. I mean, just an edit without yeah. the boobs. Uh. Yeah. Beyond Reanimator, that scene, Beyond Reanimator aired for sci-fi. Sure. That scene could literally be cut out of the movie and have no consequences. Yep. I can't wait to dive into the, t- the, the tit scene. <laughs> we, after our fade to black, we come upon a seminar that is being led by our Dr. Weird, a Mr. Anton Mordred, on his book, The Criminal Mind and the Supernatural. Which thus proves Dr. Weird has a PhD, not an MD. Using <laughs> that doctor uh, title as a stretch. Very, they're talking about criminology here, where they're discussing sort of the the theories of why, of like figuring out the motives behind criminals. And he's like, well, all of you are a bunch of idiots for ignoring the possibility of magic. 
it's totally possible that fucking David Berkowitz is talking to dogs. <laughs> he feels you buffoons. <laughs> he feels very accusatory here. He's like, we, he's telling he's telling jokes about how you're all moon crazy for being here, aren't you? Dismissing the the truth of magics. It's it's definitely a little self-indulging and also somewhat cynical at the same time, which I guess is kind of the point because to be fair, Doctor Strange in, in itself was always a bit of a flat character. So it kind of makes, and also incredibly cynical. So it kind of makes sense that they'd want to shove that into Doctor Weird here as well. Well, are y'all familiar with Doctor Strange's origin? Because this guy, uh, as far as well, he's his personality isn't his personality is very, it's close, but like Doctor Strange is arrogant and he is cynical, but his the whole core of his character is that he was a neurosurgeon who could do the surgeries that nobody else could. He literally routinely held people's lives in his hands. But he only operated on people who could afford his services. So when he had his accident and he lost his hands, his god complex took a hit so hard that he literally had to retreat to the mountains of Tibet and learn magic. This Dr. Mordred guy is just into, he just likes true crime dramas and is like a <laughs> Satanist. <laughs> true Satanist, Sarah Dime yeah. a dozen. Yeah, it's very it's it's a very No, odd no, no. Thing. No, he can't be a Satanist. Satanists Satanists actually are quite lovely people. Right. Right. And this guy's creepy. He's really creepy. Yeah, true Satanists are really actually creepy. quite lovely people in that they're basically of the mindset, you know, if it makes you happy, go ahead and do it, but don't do anything that's gonna hurt somebody else. Right. This guy's a movie. Dr. Mordred loves hurting people. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Basically, yeah. there you go. He's a he's a pop culture satanist. So I want to move on from this scene because we're very close to a scene that had me full of questions. Where we cut back to Doctor Mordred's apartment, and we learn that there was also a shipment of diamonds stolen. And I was wrote down my notes: diamonds and platinum. We just need some pearls, and we got we got a good trilogy. So we obviously know which which Pokemon versions that Cabal is interested in. Because he hates pink. That's the only reason. Yep. Um, but we, we, Dr. Mordred is talking to the monitor and he's. He also ponders so the he orb. Has a, he ponders the orb. He ponders the orb real hard. I have to wonder if that orb is like his orb of Agamotto or like his. Because he, he doesn't have a book of the Vashanti in this movie, like Dr. Strange's spell book. So I have to wonder if this is like his stand in for it. Because he uses it to talk to the monitor. Like, he goes up and hovers his hands right. over it, it glows. And then he's before the monitor. And the monitor's like, oh yeah, the Death's head has escaped. I guess you gotta deal with that now. Sorry. And Dr. Mordred opens up a portal, which st just starts lighting shit on fire in his it, house for no apparent reason. Well, it reason. lights four books exactly on fire. Four books exactly, and Dr. Mordred seems to not notice the books spontaneously combust because it, they're needed later for the plot. And Dr. Mordred teleports to a space castle rock. A prison on a floating is, rock. 
that is just decorated like Dark Soul. It and and he is greeted by an eyeless Templar wielding a grenade launcher. Yes, that. Am I correct in that statement? You are correct. His name is a uh, Gunner, and he is the best character. He confused me a great deal because I. Doctor Strange has an assistant named Wong. He was in the movie. Everyone remembers Wong. Was this white man supposed to be his Wong? Since everything is analogous. Because this he's, a, he's this guy has magic. He's a guardian of some sort. He knows Dr. Mordred. They seem to be friends. I think this white man was supposed to be his Wong, but they couldn't actually get any people of color to be in this movie. I still I still really like Gunner. He's got he's got the most personality oh, of anyone in this movie. Yeah, he was great. I thought he was he was a uh... Why is why is he a Templar with a grenade launcher though? I don't know, but apparently Gunner here was guarding Cabal and he got his eyeballs done melted out to try and stop him. Because it's not a magical I it's very clearly a grenade launcher. It makes grenade launcher noises when he's unloading it. But it's clearly magical later on in the film. I, I have a lot of questions as to the origin of Gunner specifically. Was he a Templar who got the grenade launcher later? Or who is some random guy who put on the Templar armor? I don't know. And I know I'm not going to get answers. Also concerning the fact that this is supposed to be in another dimension entirely. One that time moves slower than that on Earth considering he's like... Oh yeah, even in the short time I've been here, um, it's already been a few days back on Earth. Right. I okay. This right. was incredibly respon irresponsible in my opinion. Because yeah, he says days have passed right. since I've I've come here. And it seems he only went to the space castle to confirm whether or not Cabal had escaped. And if that's the case, you gave him like a week of prep time, just unsupervised. If you're supposed to be the protector of this realm, never come here. Don't ever leave for this place. <laughs> Pop in, be like, yo, Cabal here? No. Oh, you need eyes? Boom, I'm gonna give you eyes again. See ya, fucker. Right, I've already lost seven hours of time. <laughs> it's it's very it's very stupid. And, and yeah, I have put it right here. There's funky time rules. Why waste so much time? And then... That fire that started from the books is a plot point because the uh, because Samantha calls the fire department to get the fire checked out in, in Mordred's apartment. And it's like, why did it take a week for you to notice the fire going on? Either magic is happening or not. I think it's just that the portal makes a lot of room heat. So, like, when he opened the portal, the books caught fire because it was supposed to be, like, residual heat. I don't know why they had to do the whole, like, fire department shows up. I guess the, the books catch fire and then go out at some point. But I think it's just to establish that the room gets super hot when the portal's open. I guess. I, I guess. But also, definitely another plot point so that hunting lady can call the fire department and the police and get into Dr. Weird's apartment, where he has the most extra coffee maker I have ever seen in my life. It's 
humongous. It's so fantastical. It is extra as fuck. It's got like six arms. It's like the hot chocolate maker from the Santa Claus. Gabe, the Santa Claus. Yeah, I brought up the Santa Claus. What are you going to do? I, I fucking love those movies. I have always wanted the cocoa from that movie. It looked so damn good. But, so, Dr. Mordred and Samantha are talking. They're, you know, getting along. They're bonding among other things, and there's clearly meant to be a romance setting up here. And it, it's going slower than most Full Moon Features romances, which isn't saying much. I'll be so real, Gabe. I didn't realize they were supposed to be establishing a romance until the park scene. I watched this movie three times, and I didn't realize they were supposed to have any romantic chemistry at all until the park scene. You watched it three times? Damn, you took your guest role very seriously. I <laughs> I found it hilarious. I watched it once with my brother, and then I watched it twice by myself, and once for, like, strictly notation. Shit. But after this scene, we cut to the classic 90s hooligans. Th this trope that I don't think ever existed in real life at any point. Where they're just sort of leather jacket wearing, like, ruffians that have no real... You know what I mean, right? They, they're just troublemakers. Obviously, obviously meant to be our lackeys since... The dude, who is named Adrian, is like, oh, Cabal is going to be here at any point. He said to set things up, and then at midnight he'll give us a sign. And you can tell they're obviously so excited, and I don't think they even know why they're excited. Did, do you, did you guys no, pick up any motivation from these two? Like, do they? why are they um, here? How long have they known Cabal? Why are they doing this? They want to serve an evil master. Adrian mentions like slaughtering. Maybe the they're just bored. Pigs. I Maybe I think it bored. might just be that they're bored. Because Cabal seems like a cool <laughs> guy. Like when he comes in, the the windows explode, but he doesn't enter through the windows. He just kind of appears. Yeah, I was expecting a, a full Hellraiser three type thing from him. Maybe where he's, like, standing at the altar and like. I am the way. Maybe, a, you know, a, it would have felt a little more personal. Especially when Adrian said, Jesus Christ. I I was so expecting Cabal to say, not quite. Not quite. Did Adrian look like Andrew Garfield to y'all? Uh, yes! Yes, I wrote it <laughs> I think he looks so much like Andrew Garfield. <laughs> it was distracting. Wait, I need to look him up now. He greaser andrew garfield like have you have either of y'all seen home alone right. 3 no there was the, sadly what, yes. you know the goon with the long hair that got like electrocuted by his nuts it's like if him and andrew garfield had a little gay love baby <laughs> and it's adrian okay I, i'm looking at pictures of this guy now and i see it and oh my god like earl garfield <laughs> or something B-grade greaser Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one acting, who saw it. His acting is terrible. Can we talk about his acting it's, for a second? It can't be. It's it's nowhere near as bad as Matt Cable in Demonic Toys. No, you can't. That guy was amazing. No, he was terrible. You're wrong. We. I will fight you on this, Casey. Put up your dukes. I will go to... I will go to your house right now and fucking knock over your shelf full of toys. 
I'll just have my giant boyfriend sit on you. You can't stop. How how much destruction do you think I could cause before he could stop me? I absolutely you, nothing. You would be surprised. Yeah, you could not. No, you couldn't. You would not I've known make it you through for a the long front time. Door. You're not a violent man, and you're not especially for, for strong. Refer- <laughs> for reference, Quentin. For reference, Quentin. My my partner is a six foot eight giant. Six foot eight. Six foot eight is crazy. I cannot believe it. I, for, six, I'm going to be a scientist. Six foot eight, 350 pounds. Goodness. Anyway, moving forward, we get a sh- scene change where, pull down the counter, look at the counter. We got tits, people. We got tits. We got tits. Maybe the most superfluous tits I have ever seen in a movie. So superfluous, man. I really wasn't expecting tits from this movie. I wasn't either. Given that it was supposed to be an adaptation for Doctor Strange, hell no, I didn't expect this random greaser woman to whip out her full rack for Cabal for no reason. And I thought they were going to like, I thought there was going to be a sex scene in the middle of this, but they just kind of like grope a little bit. The weirdest part is that like, it's obvious Irene is Adrian's lady. Where is Adrian in this? Does he just not care? Watching, I'm sure. Adrian is just out of frame watching this go down, all excited and shit, because he he wants to be cucked by Cabal. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that probably would be the biggest honor for him. So here's a question for you, Quentin. Yes. Cabal is seemingly just a dude, right? He's a guy. From my understanding, Doctor Strange, all of his enemies are like weird supernatural entities. Is he? Does he have like a? Like a reverse Flash counterpart that would would equal Cabal in this film? Cabal is Baron Mordo. Doctor Strange has um, a villain. Baron Mordo. Who uh, they were both tutored by the Ancient One. They both learned under the same master. But Baron Mordo, as is common with these scenarios, wanted more power and he was corrupted by the dark magics and he exiled and uh, turned against the ancient one and so he just kind of roams the magic realms waiting for an opportunity to get it dr strange's throat he was in he was also in the movie uh he was played by i don't know the actor's name but he was an african-american actor in the movie whereas he's usually oh portrayed yeah as i know exactly comics. who you're yeah i know exactly who you're talking about he's yeah. the one who after the big fight with dormammu was like no, y'all are using your power for the wrong reason and whatnot. The, the Sorcerer Supreme was using dark arts to extend her life and whatnot. Yes. And so I think he, I actually think he's going to be a big bad in uh, the upcoming Multiverse of Madness. I would assume so. Because they definitely made him out to be oh, a big... Oh, certainly. They definitely made him out to be a big bad. But this this guy's his bare mortal. He's way lamer, though. Uh, do, do you want to know what else is big? The box of crystal dildos that Doctor Mordred pulls out oh. after, the, after the sex scene. Oh, oh the wait! Daggers? But hold on! But hold on! Can we please mention that the titty scene doesn't lead to anything? He puts her on the nope. altar, and he he pushes no. his ring into her head. I don't know what happens, but then we go to another scene, like it fades out, and we go to another scene. When I watched this with my brother, he begged me to tell him what was going on. He was like, what did he, what were her tits out for? Why did he have her on the altar and what did he pull out of her forehead? And I just had, I just had to keep saying they went to another scene. I don't know. 
that's that's basically this movie. It's like, oh, let's do this thing. We're we're never gonna tell you why, but we're gonna do it. It's like it's written literally like as they're shooting it. Welcome to Full Moon. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is standard. After this scene, after we fade back in, Dr. Mordred has a box of what I initially assumed to be crystal dildos, but are actually glass daggers, because in the box, you couldn't see the blade, you could only see the handle. He takes them out and just starts stabbing himself with these magic knives for no apparent reason. Unclear what they do. I was like... uh, And the weird part is, he doesn't even really stab himself, they just kind of melt into him. He it's calls like, them the crystals of Endor. I was like, okay, why, 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 why is this? What's going on here? Why, why you do? I thought maybe they gave him a power boost, like maybe they would rejuvenate him in some way, but they didn't. They never said what they did. I think they're really just trying to fill the Doctor Strange artifact quota. Because Strange has all sorts of artifacts in his sanctum that do specific things, sometimes vague things, but. I think they were literally just trying to fill that gadget quota. They were like, we need a gadget. So I have him pull out a box of magical crystals to shove into his bare chest. Oh, goodness. And then Cabal arrives and Dr. Mordred launches off the most pitiful magic missile I've ever seen. <laughs> was he was he casting one of the daggers at him? Maybe. I don't. So Cabal comes in and is like, Ah, the crystals of Endor. Did you really think that they could defeat me? And I'm like, what? What? (laughs) The who? He's actually projecting. He's actually projecting into the sanctum. But he seems to be well aware that he can't be hurt in this form. And if he's aware that he can't be hurt, then Mordred should be aware that he can't hurt Cabal, right? I'm thinking about this more than the full moon creators did. I mean, that tends to be how we do on here. We think about these things way more than they did at the time. Welcome to our curse. (laughs) And then we learn Dr. Mordred is an extra-dimensional being. Yeah! This was interesting. (laughs) This was interesting. Like, he's timeless. I mean, he says something during his meet-cute with Samantha, the hunting lady. Uh, she's like, New York used to be a nice place to live. And he goes, it was. And she's like, she looks at him funny and he looks up at like a picture of old New York and he's like, I mean, it looks like it was. Like to imply that he's been alive forever. Also, might I mention, like in the little stopwatch he uses, he obviously has a picture of himself and some random woman and they never touch on that ever oh my god that's right okay they never I forgot about that they actually. never touch on that stephen strange is a notorious womanizer but he has like a main girlfriend named clea but anyway oh oh okay 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 quentin i have a, i have an answer to the thing before the reason he killed that woman was so that in the next scene samantha could be like hey there's this woman who's been murdered I can connect this sigil on her face to the sigil I saw at Dr. Mordred's place. Right. Okay. So why did he, what did he kill her for? Did he take something from her? I, he actually, going to the next scene. He actually (laughs) drains her of blood somehow, because that's what the cop, I guess, what's his name? PS1 cop. Gaudio? 
Gaudio? His name was Tony, wasn't Gaudio? it? I don't I remember his what Tony. his name was, but he he looks like Ted Raimi. He oh, he doesn't like Ted Raimi. He looks like Ted Raimi, and he arrests Doctor Weird because Tunt Lady told her cop boss that he can help, and cop boss determined that Doctor Weird is the guy who murdered Irene. He's clearly just trying to pad his arrest numbers. Oh, 100%. He's trying to get a quota. Got quotas to meet. <laughs> and at this point, I am convinced that Dr. Mordred is a fucking idiot. Because at any point, he could have... Se- he knows that no one in this universe believes magic is a thing. So if he was just being like, oh, I'm just talking, you know, in, in, in what some certain people believe in certain religions. This is not... You know, but he is, he is talking in absolutes... For no reason. No. He doesn't need to come off as a fucking freakazoid. The thing is, he doesn't even try to blend in. He's just talking all this black magic junk while he's being interrogated at the at the police station. He does not even try. And I'm just like, you're you're not helping your case here. Not at all. Not at all. He frustrates me in the police station because you're you're supposed to be like the protector of the realm, and you can just be arrested. And like have by your normal magic people, taken right. your magic just taken off of your neck by some guy. <laughs> Literally, just like no, you can't have your magic. And it, 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 it's it, like this, Doctor Mordred, this sorcerer guy, is good for like party tricks, opening <laughs> portals, and and the occasional like because he he does that thing with the cuffs. He takes the cuffs off when he's alone with the um, police consultant. And he's like, oh, that's entry-level stuff. I was like, that's one of the most impressive things that he does in the entire movie as far as his sorcerer supremeness. Yeah, H- hunting lady goes and he she goes to talk to him because she's just like, yo, you're not you're not helping your case here. And he's just like, I, I know we're being recorded, but I need you to see what's going on. And it turns out Cabal's just, of course, been an evil little shit from the start. Yeah, it's a... There were two boys born. One was good. One was evil. One didn't he? Doesn't he directly say that Cabal made a deal with Belial? Yes. Yes. Or something along those lines. Yes. So Cabal is the Satanist or the Belialist. Cabal is the Belialist. Yeah. It's wait, very wait. Odd. Is, is, it, is it Belial from Basket Case? Because I'd be down if he made <laughs> oh a deal with gosh. that Belial. Ah, basket game. <laughs> it's <laughs> that is the that is the hidden lore. But we we see that Doctor Mordred locked up Cabal with the help of Gunner. Which again, why does he have a grenade launcher? It's never resolved. Moving on. And Doctor Mordred's like, okay, I need you to go and get my amulet so that we can use time stop. Why did I not use time stop before? I don't know. Point and, and she says, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, why do you not think you can do this all of a sudden? Why 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 do you need the male to comfort you now all of a sudden? But it's part of their romantic tension game. It, their rom- their romance gets real misogynistic from this point forward. Oh, 100%. It's not good. Like you can tell from early on she's meant to be our romantic interest in this and it's just it's it's not good. I never wanted but, and not at any point did I believe it. I wanted her to just kind of be a companion. 
like Doctor Who. He never he doesn't have to have sex with every companion. He just can be their friend, you know. Here's the thing. In in most movies in most movies you would have like a time lapse scene of the two characters getting to know each other, but in every single full moon feature, they take place over the course of just like a handful of days. So they just need to kind of fast track that shit forward. There are other full and it moon ends movies. up making things very stupid. There are other full moon movies I've seen. Yes, where the romance seems to be facilitated by like a captive situation. There was at least one other I watched where uh, there was like a giant monster in impending doom. And the romance blossomed because the main character took the woman hostage and they just had to be together for a couple hours. And that was how the romance started. That seems to be... That, that's 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 not romance. That is called Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. It, but that seems to be how Charles Van finds love. And I think that's <laughs> telling. Did you know that... Did you know that Charles Van has an adult film company? That... Sure, I felt like I knew in my heart that he did. But in the next scene, we get Cabal talking with Adrian, and he puts a spell on Adrian that will make him impervious to all physical harm for the next 12 hours. And there is a line in this scene that is so clearly meant to be from Doctor Strange, where Cabal is like, just as surgeons use scalpels and tweezers, alchemists use the elements as our tools and it's like that that line would have worked so much better in a doctor strange film it also would have worked better if we knew if these people were like sorcerers or alchemists because this was one of the first scenes where i'm like wait are they not wizards i thought they were wizards because cabal is very clearly doing alchemy now, see, see, see. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, this is the point where we, where we learned that uh, Doctor Weird uh, double majored. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. He's an alchemist and a uh, right, right, he right. Double majored. Also, we we get af- after Cabal. Might I mention that Cabal's just crushing up a human skull with a femur, and it's the biggest damn femur I have ever seen in my life. Why is he using a femur as a hammer? Why is he using a femur as a hammer? Because it's evil. Also, it's not a hammer. He's using it as, like, the pestle in a mortar and pestle. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the pestle. Fine. He's <laughs> using it as the pestle from a mortar and pestle, but... Why? Because it's evil. <laughs> because it is evil. But after he casts his little imperviousness spell on Adrian, Adrian's just j- dancing around outside the co- outside the police station with a Molotov, dancing to music in his own brain like a dummy, just poking fun at the cops and begging to be arrested. Basically, it was giving me vibes from uh, Dollman when the guy was doing that like the gasoline dance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it reminded me of the chainsaw dance from Texas Chainsaw. You know, at the end uh, when he's which one? just a little bit. Which the, one? The Is original. There... When he's doing, when she, she leaves on the truck uh, and he's in the middle of the road and swinging the chainsaw about. It wasn't, not in terms of its artfulness or like the cinematography or, or any of that. But in in the sense of like, oh, a maniac! Oh no, there's a maniac in the street, and he has a dangerous implement. He's he's just some dummy dancing to music in his own brain. And he gets shot. 
he then gets arrested. And what what we get... No, he gets arrested because he throws the Molotov straight into the cop's car. Right. And then it demands and... to be shot and is immediately obliged. The cop's like, fine, cool, he gave me permission to shoot him, then I'm going to shoot him. That's how the justice system works. Yep. And after that, he's arrested. I don't know why, because he's clearly impervious to gunshot wounds. Like, bring him to, like, a government facility. Maybe the logic was that if they put him in a cell, then maybe he just... At the very least, he wouldn't be able to throw Molotovs at their cars anymore. Fair enough. Also the possibility that maybe he was wearing, like, a bulletproof vest or something. Sure. Could have been that. And... We, we so next scene we get where Samantha's going, and she gets the amulet, and finally we get some more time stop. After after how many minutes of not using time stop, we finally use time stop again, and we learn the rule that it it can only affect anyone who is like looking at the amulet when it puts off its weird flashbang effect. It does like a men in black and, flash and then you're frozen. You're not frozen, yeah. but you have to stop moving. Like the rule is you have to stop moving. That's why I called it a neuralizer. Basically, yeah. And we we get a scene where he he has a gun to Samantha's head. Yeah, like and he's he's using his time top time stop to escape and he just straight up holds a gun to hunting lady's head so the coppers don't think she's involved. He's like, oh, if she's a hostage, they can't think she's an accomplice. That's his whole thought process on that. That's what I was saying about the full moon feature hostile relationships. That's exactly how it went down in that other movie. They were like, oh, I gotta use you as a hostage. It was, what was the name of it? It was like, it was like, it was a giant monster movie. It was called, like, Kazoom or something. I was gonna say, because this also could have been Meridian. Nah. <laughs> Does it happen in Meridian? Is it happening in the- <laughs> There's a lot of... This is a weird trend for them. I don't know why Charles thinks that putting a woman at gunpoint is a good way to, like, meet them. Maybe it's the only way he thinks somebody will love him if he forces them. Aww, Charles, there are other ways to get ladies to love you. When you feel the need to put a boob scene in every single one of your theatric productions, then yeah, there's you you may need to to hold women at gunpoint for them to be around you. <laughs> hey, we've had two, three movies so far that haven't had any tits in them. It was yeah, we've had a good. And what episode streak, is this? And now it's been ruined. Twelve, thirteen. This is three out of ten. Three out of three out of ten. Crit ratio. Or three, three to ten, three to ten. It it's not the best, and we also so the next scene we get is where Doctor Mordred astral projects to Cabal, who is in a museum no, see, where yeah. he finds a philosopher. Yeah, see, stone? here's the thing. Here's the thing. They go to Central Park, and one, they should have been caught super fast, and two. He astral projects because he's like, oh, yeah, he's he's going to the Metropolitan Museum and whatnot because they've got a Philosopher's Stone, which I guess is some just crazy alchemical mixing bowl, as opposed to everything else 
that states what the Philosopher's Stone is in modern history. Hey, the Philosopher's Stone is a thing that is recognizable. Therefore, we put it in the movie, regardless of what it is. Also, the Philosopher's Stone was just straight up made of foam. But again... That's what I was about to say. It is so clear. That's what I'm saying about the prop work. It was so good. Like, clearly, their dad painted that. But what... (laughs) Again, what did anyone in this movie want? Because Cabal, when he shows up earlier in the movie, he says to Mordred that he wants to become a god in a godless world. And some diamonds and nothing else. And And now he has a philosopher's stone. and And also a vault door in the, uh... In the prison on the rock. Right. A vault door. And like... But also... How does that equal world domination? That opens to demons. Also, also the the funniest thing. A kid called Cabal a dickhead in the museum. And this this kid be speaking the truth. I loved that scene. I hope that kid is living a full (laughs) life Also, apparently closing times just mean nothing to Cabal, who is the world's first Karen. They just let him stand there. They're like, they, one of them, the, the guard is like, it's time for closing. You need to leave. And then the, <laughs> the guard leaves. The, <laughs> the guard leaves and Cabal is still there. It's like, they don't even follow up on him. He's, Cabal is the world's first Karen. Gabe, you mentioned the monsters <sighs> in the hatch. Casey also mentioned the right. hatch. The hatch contains a bunch of demons that, Gunner mentioned that he was trying to keep from getting out. Doctor Strange actually encounters occasionally like multi-dimensional demons called the mindless ones. And I think that's what these demons were supposed to be. Oh. Interesting. We get we're getting some connections here. All right. Interesting. But after this what what we get is a I for, so I it, forgive me it's been a minute. These demons that come out of the gate. No, they don't. And they don't. Cabal is doing, or or no, uh, Cabal is doing his. his and ritual. apparently, he really likes glitter glue. <laughs> he, he loves lo- the glitter glue. Glitter he glue loves glitter over. glue. And Cabal gets the philosopher's stone, picks it up, carries it seven feet <laughs> to the right, puts it back down. Did either of you notice the very violent blue screen shift? Yes, I did not. He's like, he's standing there and it's very clearly like he's in whatever location it was. And then there's a cut and the whole shot is piss washed. Just sepia toned. And he does the attack that blows up the glass that nobody hears. And then he lifts that big foam philosopher's stone and gets on his way. (laughs) Yeah. And so one of my favorite scenes happens next. The, the, my second favorite scene to the scene that happens directly after it, where Dr. Mordred appears in his astral projection form, and Cabal says, you have no power over me in that form. And then Dr. Mordred says, I don't, but I can cast a spell, and I just put in my notes, you have no power over me, except for all the power <laughs> that you have over me. Which is like, why didn't Cabal try some shit when he was in... Well, I guess it's because of what... Casey was saying that Cabal doesn't know I guess he doesn't know all those fancy spell tricks that Mordred knows but also the fact that he only appeared in the Sanctum Rentorum because he was gloating that's all he was there for he was gloating sure sure maybe yeah maybe he was like I have no intention of harming you yet <laughs> and then we get to what 
I think we can all unanimously agree is the best scene in the movie, which mm-hmm. is the stop motion T-Rex. This was yes. good old classic filmmaking right here. Where we get a... Cabal animates a T-Rex skeleton in the museum to fight Dr. Mordred, to whom Dr. Mordred then animates a mammoth skeleton in the museum, and they start duking it out, but not before the T-Rex starts eating some low clay man yeah the guards come in yeah the guards come in and one of them gets nommed on by the t-rex and i seriously thought for a moment that he got straight up eaten but no he's just on the floor i think it's what the security guards deserved for ignoring one for not making cabal leave at the closing hours and two ignoring all the obviously loud sounds that were being made in the display room (laughs) did any of you pause when the t-rex yes no i didn't mouth the little clay models look so bad. It's <laughs> it's literally it looks like it's from a like clay fighters if you've ever seen yes. a video game. Gabe, they look like they're made out of Play-Doh. I mean, that's kind of the point. It's so bad. Dino Skelly versus Mammoth Skelly. It's it's real good. It's real good. And we cut to Gunner whose grenade launcher has turned into a laser gun mm-hmm. as he's shooting yeah. at the demons. <laughs> I was like, Cabal's Gunner's gun goes pew-pew. Well, he's poised and ready to shoot at the demons. The ha- He's just kind of looking at the hatch. He's, like, waiting for it to open. Yeah, and then the demons start coming out. He starts shooting at them, and... Oh, fun, fun little fact about the demons coming out of the vault. One of them is actually one of the stop-motion werewolves from The Howling. Whoa. I have to go back and look at them. Because they I were was cool. I was fully expecting one of the blood demons from Subspecies. Oh, God, no. They were cool. Please, no. They reminded me of, if either of you have seen uh, In the Mouth of Madness, like an actual good movie, they have, like, cosmic horror monsters that kind of reminded oh, yeah. me of these things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Quinn, I've never seen a good movie before, <laughs> but it's very good. And I, I actually forget how he actually kills Cabal. Gabe, let, let me please, please let me run, please let me run you through this ending because it's it's so incredibly abrupt how this ends. So like, okay, so the door is opening and the demons are coming out, and Gunner is shooting the demons. Cabal yells at Mordred that you have no power over me. And Mordred essentially says no. He shoots at something off screen. He like shoots lightning at something off screen. You don't see what it is and it is never revealed what he shoots his lightning at. Then his Triceratops defeats the the mammoth. Yes, his mammoth beats the the T-Rex and impales Cabal. And Cabal immediately evaporates and his energies like reseal the hatch that the mindless ones were coming out of, and now everything is over. And Gunner, of course, takes the uh, the credit for sealing up the vaults again. As he admit, should. That was a funny joke. That was a good joke. As he absolutely should. Yes. But not not everything doesn't end because Adrian finds Hunting Lady and Dr. Weird in the park while he's astral projecting and just straight up tries to kill him. But of course, Weird gets back to his body just in time. And freezes him in place using an extended time stop. And, of course, Hunting Lady just straight up kicks him in the nuts. 
so I we forgot I forgot to mention that for some reason Cabal removes the spell that he had on Adrian that made him impervious to damage. Yeah, he just did that reason. to be a dick, I guess. Yeah, didn't need him anymore. Needed to tie up loose ends. Just like he'll he'll die at some point because he's an idiot. I really think that was it. Yeah, fair enough. He's a dick. Adrian is there. He gets fucking blasted. Well, he doesn't get blasted and die. He gets shot in his leg, and he's like, "Oh, I've been, I've been injured." <laughs> he's like, "The master protects me." Bam! You shot me in the leg. Jesus Christ, this hurts. <laughs> but before that, Weird gets in trouble with the monitor, and it's time to go to interdimensional timeout, and he poofs away. The monitor's really pushy in that scene. He's like, Mordred, return to my plane now. Mordred's You've like, I just, please let me much. say goodbye to my friend. You've revealed too much. You have to come back now. <laughs> it's past your curfew. You've been grounded. But then he's allowed to just, like, have her around. Like, there's right. a there's a brief pause, and then he's allowed to have her around. Yeah, it's really weird how... So, first of all, we should say, he, he tells Samantha, like, yeah, I'm gonna go. I need to go. My planet needs me, or whatever the fuck. She's <laughs> like, take me with you. And he's like, no, it'll be a freak-ass mutant magic planet. You can't come with me. You, It's a different laws of physics. And she's like, I'll do it for you, Mordred. And no, take care of my bird. Take care of the bird. Which she does. Is the bird magical? He implies that the bird no. talks to him. Well, he's like, he walks in when, he, when we first see Edgar Allan Poe, the crow. And he's like, uh, he no, like answers it. Edgar is a raven. Or a raven. Yes, the raven. Doctor Strange doesn't okay, have a raven. Edgar Allan Crow is too good of a pun. <laughs> Which is why he can't be a crow. It's too good of a pun. That's why he can't be a crow. Doctor Strange doesn't have a crow or a raven. But he does have a ghost dog. That would have been so much better. Which I wish would appear in the MCU. I want to see his ghost dog. His name's Bats. That's that's fucking Bats. He's a bloodhound. A little ghostly bloodhound. So, the movie ends where Samantha's in Dr. Mordred's apartment. She's taking care of Edgar. And all of a sudden, Dr. Mordred just shows up and is like, Hey, I'm here now. I guess we can have a happy ending. It's yep. also Christmas time, apparently. It's Christmas. I guess he convinced the monitor that like he would ha he would ha he would have to kill her for her knowledge of all of this to not matter. So she might as well be allowed to be around anyway. We will never know because the movie ends on a really dumb line of him being like, "Hey, let's let's drink some eggnog and watch our movie for the first I had time." No idea what the fuck he meant by that. What was that line? It's it's, be it's because she said, "Let's watch It's a Wonderful Life for the hundredth time." Oh, but it's okay. like, also, how did he know he? She said that he just popped in like two minutes later. He's magic. Fuck that. <laughs> but that is how our movie ends quentin uh here's my next question would you recommend this movie to anyone no i honestly wouldn't <laughs> it's, it's not like absurd and if it were like violently gory and demented throughout like on a very consistent basis then sure 
but for the most part, it's just boring and a, a very obvious imitation of something that should be way cooler. Like if you're aware of Doctor Strange and you see this, it's just it's it's boring and purposeless. Nothing happens in this movie. Yeah, it again, it's just one of those things where it's just boring at the end of the day. It's not funny bad. It's not like good bad. It's just boring. I wish that Dr. Mordred had been played by a more interesting actor. Like like Nicolas Cage would have beat the shit out of this role. He would have been so much better a Dr. Mordred. Now, we I will defend Jeffrey Combs to the death. He's great. I'm not he's, he's fine. He does good with what he did good with what he was given, but I will agree with you in that like another actor that would be like known for absolutely chewing up the scenery would have made this way more interesting. However, it's not that Combs did a bad job; it's that he was just given a bad role. Absolutely right. So at the end, I would I'm going to present this question to both of you. Which is how much do you think this movie costs? You can't. I can't answer because I actually know how much it cost. Okay, Quentin, how much uh, do you think this movie cost? Can I? Do we have an average of like how much their movies usually cost? Because I cannot imagine it's. I cannot imagine they normally exceed fifty thousand dollars. Okay, here's the here's the question. How many? How many figures? Five. I don't think we're in the six figure range. According to IMDb. Estimated budget, $2 million. Okay, so this confirms something that I've thought since the first episode of this podcast I listened to on the first full moon feature that I watched. These movies are fucking money laundering schemes, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just supposed Probably, to be. That's why yeah. I called them a scam artist, because, like, there's no, there's absolutely <laughs> no way that this movie costs $2 million. It just didn't. <laughs> so, like, where is the money? That's why. How how many movies does this studio have? There's like there are like hundreds of, the, of full moon features, aren't the there? The money, the money is in Jeffrey Combs's contract. It absolutely, ugh. and also up Charles Band's nose. Can he command that much if he's mostly known for these movies? No, no. The half the money went to getting Jeffrey Combs. Oh. The other half went to oh. the dinosaur stop motion battle. Sure. Stop motion's expensive. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Sure. This is 92. 92 stop motion animation. Oh my god. Sure. Oh my god. Oh my god. So, I, do you want to know what I just figured out looking at IMDb? What? You know the kid that calls Cabal a dickhead? Yes. That is Charles Band's son. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yes. Ew. We got three generations of bands in this movie. Fucking ew. (laughs) (laughs) Gross, man. Don't put your kids in this. It's like when you see someone bringing their child to like a like a Trump rally. (laughs) He's like, I'll leave him out of this. (laughs) (laughs) And my last question for you, Quentin, is with with the revelations that we have now acquired from No Way Home, is Dr. Mordred a part of the MCU? I wish they would they would reference him, bring Jeffrey, even if they just had him in the background, maybe casting as an alternate version of Doctor Strange. Like I, I just was about a to nod. say, is 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 Doctor Mordred a variant? Yes, I would accept him as a variant because fuck it, why not? There's a frog variant of Loki. 
fuck it. No, there's a there's a frog variant of Thor. There's a gator variant of Loki. G- You're right. Okay, sure. Gator variant of Loki, frog variant of Throg. That's his name. Throg. <laughs> but I think that will bring this episode to a close. I, I would say to all of you listening at home please do not rip off the works of steve ditko and stan lee and if you don't i would like to wish you a terrible evening bye we'll see we'll see you all next time wait 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 why am i doing this what are we watching next time casey Next episode is 1992's Netherworld, which, honestly, I gleaned nothing from the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia has a total of five sentences on it. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye.